Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Being Whole podcast. It is I, Dr. Cassandra LeClaire. And today we have a very special guest. I'm super excited to be here with my friend and former student, Zachary Perkins. Zachary's going to share some of his story with us. He's got a book coming out that I cannot wait to actually physically read in my hands. I have read snippets of it here and there, but Zachary also has had a lot of life experiences and things that have happened to him throughout his life that I think are very valuable spaces that we can learn from. So I'd love for you to introduce yourself to us, Zachary, and tell us a little bit more about who you are and why you're here. Yes, so like Dr. Cassandra LeClaire said just a minute ago, uh, I'm Zachary Perkins, and I am here because I wrote a book about my life, and, you know, a lot of people's first thoughts is, you're not even 25, like, what are you, what are you telling me you wrote a book, like, do you have enough to cover a book? I love when people say that, like, have you lived enough life to write a book? And I think the answer to that is, like, at any point in our lives, like, everyone has lived enough life to write a book if you really flesh it out and take time to dissect you know the experiences and the little things like that um this past august i graduated from texas state uh, with my bachelor's in science and public relations double minors in comm studies and pop culture and i am now in austin where i am living the dream you know being an adult and so you say that living the dream and being an adult, and then you're like, <laughs> pause, no, dramatic pause. It's actually the worst thing ever. <laughs> well, I think like you, you know, you said somebody or people have said like, how could you possibly have a, a book about your life when you're 25? You know, and the reality of it is, is I think a lot of people could write books now in the last few years about their life, right? And so I, I hope that people's perspective on, you know, what a life is and what somebody gets to talk about and those experiences. I hope we've all kind of shifted and have a better understanding of the fact that like, yeah, people can live through a lot in a very short amount of time, right? So tell us a little bit about what your book is about and what brought you to the process of writing a book. So it was the onset of COVID and it was right after that initial period of time where we were like, oh, this is gonna be like two months, it's gonna be three months. And then, you know, by Memorial Day or 4th of July, we'll be back to normal. And it just continued and continued and continued. And being in the house and being isolated from people and not seeing, having face-to-face interaction with people really impacted a lot of people's mental health. Mm-hmm. And so um, therapy and counseling were highly sought after and medical professionals were bogged down with the number of requests uh, that were coming from the world. And so my therapists and my counselors and things like that, they were not available. And so um, the thing about once you start going to therapy and counseling, you start doing the work, it's really important to continue the work no matter what is going on to and around you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know I knew that I needed to continue to unpack things and I needed to work through things and I was trying to be in a different space than I had been uh, pre-pandemic and so I decided I was just going to start journaling the things the really hard things that even I wasn't able to unpack with my therapist and then the plan was to take them back um, when I could you know get in for an appointment and then say hey I finally addressed these really tough things that I thought I would never talk about with anyone. Mm -hmm. Uh, And where do I go from here? Like, how do I make sense of these things now? Um, And it started off, it wasn't going to be for anyone. And I just wrote about the first thing. um, I wrote about the first thing that was really traumatic to me. And I cried for so long and I hadn't even finished it. And I just, I felt so... I felt so free because I had been in denial about it myself. And so writing it out was like the first time I had admitted it to anyone, even though it was just myself. It was like, it was the first time I had accepted it. It was the first time I had made myself comfortable enough to call it out for what it was. Um, and so that was, that was really perspective shifting. And I put it down. I didn't write again on that particular topic for maybe a month or two. Um, just because it it brought so much up Um, but just not even realizing that I had that much to unpack yeah that was that was 
reassuring, but it was also really scary because I was like, how many other boxes have I not checked? Oh, yes. And so I just continued to write and I noticed that I was unpacking things from eras of my life at a time. And so I was just saving things to folders like this is, you know, when I was a kid, this is like when I was a teenager, this is college and this is everything Mm -hmm. now. And for years, like I've shared stories on Twitter, you know, when things happen Mm -hmm. and I'll start a thread or um, I'll get on my Instagram story and talk about what's going on in my life. And people are like, your your stories are always so funny. You should write a book. And I'm like, should I, should I write a book? And um, yeah, it just, it just kind of all snowballed from there. And then before I knew it, like I had 70,000 words in front of me and it was, yeah. And that's so amazing because it came out of such a natural space. And I, I want to challenge everybody. I'm sure like if people are listening to this, you know, you can listen to it and you're like, I had to go back and write this. And it was really important. And people are probably like, well, what did you have to write? What was the experience? And so I want to pause everybody a moment <laughs> um, before you think about like, what could this thing have been that he had to get through? It's that's not really the point. The point is, is the doing, like you're saying, the point is the going through the work. The point is that whatever that thing is for whoever's listening for myself, for you, right. It's like, what is coming up? And you, you didn't know what was going to come up till you started. Right. And I think that that's what so many of us, sometimes we need to do is like, we don't know, we don't know the reasons why we're unhappy or we're frustrated or we're sad, or we don't know things that we maybe need to dig into a little bit right and so when they come up it can be very therapeutic to kind of just let them out right and not judge them not analyze them just like I got to get this on the paper or whatever it is and so I think you continuing to do that process especially when you couldn't do that in the way that you had been you know with your therapist or your counselors that just really speaks to that importance like you're saying of continuing to do the work of recognizing like okay I don't have these resources anymore but I got to get this out I know that this is healthy for me to get rid of these things or to write it out or whatever it is and that's valuable for everyone even not in a pandemic even not when there's you know a lack of resources which is really being able to truly like look at the things that have impacted you and try to um, allow them to be released instead of allow them to remain within or, or keep them within. Exactly. Um, I, I just knew that, I think I also realized I was about to graduate and I was moving into just a new era of life and I just wanted to wrap this one up. And it just felt like I wasn't giving myself the chance to live a good life because Mm -hmm. I was still stuck on writing the wrongs of of the past and not my wrongs, wrongs that other people have done upon me. And I think that it was just really important for me to realize that I'm somebody who closure is really important to me. Like I need need that. And um, it doesn't always get delivered in the, the medium that you wanted to. And so I think that this book was was that for me. I got to write down my unfiltered thoughts and opinions. And even when I was going back and editing, I didn't want to polish it too much. Some of the things in the book are really gritty and they're really vulgar. And it's not for shock value, but it's just like it came out of my out of my mouth, you know, when I was pre-planning and things like that. And I said it's important that I say it like this so that you understand how this really impacted me. And if by chance the person who I'm referencing happens to read the book, then I've said what I needed to say. And it's it's gotten across to you because I had that thing where I'm not confrontational. I hate to be confrontational. And so sometimes my, my message gets diluted down a bit because I do that myself because I can be a little intense. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was just really important to find closure. And this this book was that for me. And it's so important for you to know what you need. Like you just said, you're, I'm a person who needs closure. I'm a person who needs this. And being able to understand that and own that for yourself and understand what that looks like too. And I love that you said, you know, 
the book you didn't edit some of it and you know this with this heavy hand or you let some words be the way that they were and of course you know I relate to that because that's what I did in my book <laughs> so I'm like yeah that's what you should do that sounds awesome <laughs> but but really for me it was the same exact thing that you're saying is that that book was a culmination of my journals and I didn't want to you know it's kind of disorganized it's kind of disjointed but that's what my healing process looked like it was messy it was, you know, I, I use the word really like probably 9,000 times in my book, but it was really, really, really whatever, you know, <laughs> <laughs> So it, it's like, I wanted to keep that because the, it reads the way I was writing in so many aspects, right. And it reads the way what you're feeling and when you're putting it out there. And so knowing that you just did that, I think then, you know, hopefully anybody who picks up the book now knows that that touches them in a different way then, because hopefully they can read it from your story and from your perspective without like reading it and thinking like, oh, well, I thought, think this should be in chapter three or whatever. <laughs> I think that I paid such close and precise detail to everything. I hadn't actually read the book cover to cover until maybe 11 days ago. I had read my book cover to cover because I had spent that much time with each chapter, making sure that it flowed the way I wanted it to. I knew that together it, it would come together and you know form to to be a complete book and be a complete narrative um but i hadn't read the book cover to cover until i was coming back from hawaii after spring break and i was like oh my god i made myself cry <laughs> like when I, when I like took it all in at, at one time and i was just yeah <sighs> Yeah. I, I, I hadn't actually read my book cover to cover for me. It was when I did the audiobook and I read it out loud then. And so when you listen to the audiobook, if you listen to it, you can hear parts where my voice cracks or where I'm getting more emotional. And it's because it's real, you know, I was reading that. And it's interesting because there are still times where I'll pick up my book or I'll sign, see something on my computer. That's a quote from it. And it'll hit the way it hit when I wrote it, mm -hmm. even though, you know, even though it might be about a different situation or might be about some different emotion, but, you know, there are certain lines or certain sentences or certain phrases where I'm like, Oh yeah. And it, so it's so interesting how like going through and kind of being on the other side of it, how all of those pieces and all of those things that you write about, because they are you and it is your life story, you know, those things that you wrote about are going to continue to guide you and inform you throughout all of the rest of your experiences too, just in a different way. Yes, very true. And I think that the hardest part for me has been, I know that I want to do this, but also just that part of the perception and like reaction, you know, and I really had to get out of that that bubble um, because I think I read the book or I read parts of the book maybe in November and there was just a lot of things that I had opted not to include mm. and I had had a conversation with my aunt she hadn't read any of the book at all and she was like well I hope like you're putting everything in the book like you know you don't have too many chances to tell your story and you know those kind of opportunities are unparalleled in life and so I went back and I put all the things that I think Mm -hmm. I was ashamed of and afraid of mm -hmm. and I was like you know this whole thing is me like I have to accept it all I can't accept the pretty parts and the the funny parts and that was something I noticed I was trying to put humor mm -hmm. in a lot of the stories so that they would be more digestible yeah then I was reading like the added elements of humor that I would add and I would be like are you psychotic? Like, what is, <laughs> like, what is funny about this? Like, yeah. everything's not funny. Everything's not a joke. And that's hard for me because I, I, I just, I'm that person when people are hurting and sad, I'm, you know, going to come around and make everybody feel good. Well, you're also that person though, who, since you've had so many big things and and I relate th to this too, right? Like, sometimes you know like you've had so much big stuff or there is so much stuff that you're making jokes because you're making it comfortable for other people too right like so because you know just even sometimes I feel like I have to like kind of couch things or like you know make it less stressful or less intense and I'm not doing that for myself I'm doing that you know to make other people more comfortable 
And I really had to even sit with that for a long time too, kind of like what you're saying. Cause I was like, well, a lot of these conversations, they're never going to get more comfortable if we don't have them more straightforward, if we don't have them head on, or some of these things that I feel like need to be talked about or need to be addressed or that I need to heal from, unless I, like you say, unless I go in and really state them clearly without, you know, self-deprecating humor or without, you know, kind of hedging things or putting a little tag on the end of a sentence or whatever, until I can really just go in and state those things you know, am I really owning it? And I had to, like, that's a space I had to come to for myself, you know, because I realized all the ways that I was kind of joking about things sometimes too, because I, I didn't want to address the fact that they really were as serious or as frustrating or shameful or whatever it was as they were to me. Right. I, <laughs> I actually started a new job like in January. Mm-hmm. And so for some reason I was like, telling a few of my coworkers about the book and that it was coming out. I was like, I don't know these people, like they're strangers, you know, it was easy <laughs> to talk to them about it. But, you know, now I've been there for a few months, I'm comfortable with them. And, you know, they're all like, we want to buy the book. Like a lot of them have bought it already, like they pre-ordered it and mm-hmm. stuff. And just, it was clicking again. I was like, oh my God, people are going to know like all those things that like are not at the surface, you know? And yes, I do know. I do know. I I wrote my book for like these fictitious people out here, right? And so the first time I went to the grocery store after my book came out and somebody stopped me and they're like, oh, I read your book. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's too much, too much. Like this person next to me in the bread aisle, like literally knows way too much about me right now. Right. <laughs> and it was so, so funny to me that I like hadn't considered the people that I was going to see every day. Yes. <laughs> So I, I don't, I do understand. <laughs> yeah, and I think um, someone finally read it cover to cover other than me. I was um, trying to figure some things out for this, for this opportunity. And I had sent someone the full transcript of the book wow. and they got back to me and they were like, and they finished it so fast. Like I sent it on a Monday and they were done by Friday. Wow. I was like, oh my God. And that was like, you know, the moment I had been waiting for, for that first person to finish mm-hmm. the book cover to cover and come back with their opinion and so I didn't know what to expect and um she was like getting choked up like while we were having our meeting she was like it was just really impactful like it really touched me and I was like okay I felt so relieved but I also felt fulfilled in that moment because I think that was the most important thing to me in putting the book out not to just be like hey let's all talk about my trauma for 200 plus pages (laughs) but I really wanted someone else to be able to say it is okay to unpack you know the things that you've gone through and have happened to and around you I'm not saying you have to write a book but it is important to acknowledge those things and to figure out how you forge forward in in healing and just being new and I used to always say that I just want it to be like an improved better version of my past self but like I feel really reborn like I'm a completely different person and I've taken in my book at the end I I give like a shout out to all the little versions of me like seven-year-old me and 15-year-old me and 20-year-old me and things that I've learned and taken from each version of myself and how I want to apply them to 25-year-old me yeah and what you know, what we're going to be doing and what it's going to look like, you know, for us going forward. So, well, and that's such a great, you know, thing to do too, is just to always recognize instead of looking backward at the ways that, okay, I wish that would have been different or holding shame with that. Like you said, going back and thinking those periods of time, you know, and really honoring those periods of your life that maybe you don't have, you know, the best positive memories on, you know, for all of us, we all have situations that where we have that from childhood or from experiences now and really being able to go back to them. And instead of looking at them with shame or judgment, just, you know, observing them and thanking them for being there, you know, like it's getting to me to where I am now. And, and that's hard work. You know, it sounds so easy, like, oh, I'm fine with it, or I'm okay with everything that's happened, or I've made peace with it. But to really go back and and not just gloss over that and to integrate that, those experiences and to make peace with all of those those stages, like you're saying, it is a lot of work and it does shift you into this different kind of being where you, you feel like I, you're a newborn person, right? You feel like, oh, who am I now? Now I have to find these likes and preferences and all this, but it's 
I like to also think of it as like, you're coming back to the person who you were supposed to be, right? Like if, if all of these things hadn't happened to you and changed, this is who you would be, you know, this is you. So you're not some new person. You're like, finally yourself. And so I think that that's what it is too, is like for all of us, for each of us, recognizing the things that have taken us away from being ourselves. Mm -hmm. So we don't need to compare our trauma or crisis to somebody else. Okay. Cause whatever it is for you, like, what are the things and like, how can you work to reconcile them? So you can get back to that place of being yourself. Mm -hmm. And it's hard because sometimes we don't know what that is. Right. Like I'm you said too, things came up for you in your book where you wouldn't have even ever guessed it was something you really needed to talk about or think about. I think that it's really crazy like you said like there's no need to compare traumas and you know things of that nature but we've all been through things and a lot of time our stories may not be shared and similar but emotion is universal and it's really crazy that we live in this world where especially you know the way I was brought up on both sides of my family when things happen you know you kind of let them happen you let them roll off your back and then you kept going um and there was really no time to be in the moment and be sad about things unpack things there was no discussion about mental health and things of that nature and so to be able to not only do that for myself but to also walk things back for my parents and Mm. my older relatives and be like you know that sounds like a little bit of trauma you know and it's again that curtailing everything with the joke and making everything funny and I'm like mm-hmm. let's walk it back and you know I think that they were very reluctant mm-hmm. at first when I came around with a lot of the verbiage and the information especially after I took a lot of your classes <laughs> you gotta put that degree to use <laughs> it was every time you you'd give us like the um the questionnaires for our parents and things like that to learn like their communication styles and things like that and their parents' styles, they were they were none too pleased to. And I would like read them like the definition of, of what their styles were. And I was like, no, like I just asked you these questions and you you mm-hmm. answered and then I, I matched up the points and this is this is what I'm sorry no one has told you this. Before. I'm sorry you feel personally attacked by your survey results. <laughs> I mean I've been there, been there, right? right. But I think they that is so wonderful because that that's what we always talk about, right? And we've talked to so much, you and I, and we talk in classes about, you know, healing those generational patterns, you know, and healing those generational wounds. And that's what it is. You know, when people, I wish people could understand a lot of times if your parents or somebody are telling you to get through things or push through emotions, most often that's because that's what they've been told. And they were probably told that because they were trying to get through something, right? So it's like the roots of these things way back when we're because we're trying to get people to just get through and we don't we don't have time to process like you said or we can't we can't stop to think about what's happening because then we won't get through it so you know they're just like going full steam ahead but then there was never this space where they stopped to process all of those things right because then it just goes into the next thing and i think a lot of us still to this day get into that especially wrapped up in our culture of busyness you know we don't think we need to stop oh i'm through that now i'm going to move on to the next thing and so you really taking time you know and going back and trying to have some of those conversations or kind of trying to say like here's how I think this impacted me, not to, you know, throw them under the bus or throw shame onto them, but to be like, hey, like, this is, this is where it's at. And here are some things that we can shift. And that's such a scary thing to do too, you know, to really be real with your family members and significant others, loved ones, whatever it is to say, hey, you know what, we've had these patterns. Maybe they're not so healthy. I still love you. So let's make new ones, (laughs) you know? Yeah, I'm definitely someone who is, I'm emotionally inclined. Other people will tell you I'm dramatic, but I am emotionally <laughs> I like emotionally inclined. I really yeah. like that. I am emotionally inclined as well. Yeah, <laughs> and so I'm just, I'm not someone who can who can do that, you know? And I, re- I really reached a breaking point um, in college. There was just a lot going on. You know, I, I'd gotten to college and you know, you go to high school with less than 2,000 people, 3,000 people, and then you get to college and it's multiplied by 10. And it just feels like you don't matter as much. And it feels like, you know, you're glossed over all the time. You don't really have time to connect as intimately as you did in secondary school. And 
what was new for me was I had started to fail things. And I just am not someone who's ever failed. I've, you know, been this overachiever my whole life and I didn't know how to process that. And so the the failures kept mounting because I kept dismissing them and brushing them off. And I'd gotten to a point where I was just so overwhelmed and I just had like a, a real breakdown in a psychology class of all places. And I just had an anxiety attack and I realized I was not where I wanted to be. I was not studying the things that I was passionate about and that I could see myself doing for the rest of my life. And it just really, it, it scared me. It scared me because I just felt like I was out of control of my future and of my life for the first time, you know, in my entire life. And I feel like from there, things just spiraled out of control. Mm-hmm. and just looking back, I wish I would have been more focused on unpacking in real time instead of just seeking like temporary moments of peace, you know? Yeah. And it's so, it's so hard when you're in that space to right to, to know, to unpack it because you are, you're overwhelmed or you can be tired. And especially, you know, when life, life doesn't stop, right. When we want to unpack things, I wish it did. I wish we could be like, oh yeah, I got to pause everything else so I can feel this and I can figure it out you know, and, and sometimes too, then it's, it's finding that space when you can go back to it. Cause okay, maybe I can't right now, but how soon can I? Cause unfortunately too, sometimes the further away we get from things, you know, or at least in my perspective, what's happened to me too, is I kept on to those coping mechanisms then because I wasn't going back and unpacking some things. And then before you know it, those coping mechanisms are just your new patterns or your habits in trying to separate that all out. So I had so much more entanglement from my own patterns, what I really was doing with my trauma, because I had so much separation from going back to healing that from the time it had happened. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in today. I want to take a moment and ask you to take a screenshot of this episode right now and share it in your stories. Tag me at Dr. Cassandra LeClaire so I can connect and personally say thank you for listening. Now let's dive back into this episode with Zachary. I completely agree with that. And at first, the coping mechanisms, they're like, they're fun and they really feel like escapism. And then, like you said, when they become pattern and habit, you're like, okay, now I need to escape my escapism. Yeah. And it's like, how did I get here? How did the thing that was supposed to be helping me end up hurting me so much? And I think for me, I had a real role with like alcohol and going yeah, out. Me and too. Speed and it just, it got to a place where I was just unconscious, like blacking out for, you know, 12 hours a day, three days a week. And then I'm, I'm waking up and just going to do it again. And it was just such a, a dark place to be in. And it's, it's really weird looking back because there would be days where I'd want to get up and be productive and just try to be, you know, have a good day. Yeah. But it was almost easier to stay in that dark place. It was almost easier to stay in the habits that I knew were hurting me because I was in control of that at least. Yeah. I recognized that and I said, this is the one thing I have control on. Like, yeah. I'm going to go out and I'm going to black out, but like, I know that I'm going to do that. I'm planning to do that. And it makes me feel like I have some power in my life for the first time mm-hmm. when I go. And the, the the reality of that is, is that you also had the power and control to say, I am going to get up, right? Or I'm going to do right. that. But instead, it's like, and that's so important to talk about too, because you, you know, you just said it, you know, you get comfortable and this is what felt better. And that is what happens. And that's why the healing part is so hard because our brains get comfortable, you know, they're like, no this feels safe. So I'm going to stress you out if you try to change it. And I'm going to make you feel like any other choice is wrong. So you stay right here. You know, so it's really you're learning to challenge our brain and being like stepping out of those spaces. But then that doesn't feel good. It feels scary. And so understanding even the ways that yeah, we are numbing out and the ways that that is no longer than a coping mechanism, but then it's become something that's harming us, right? Because that is the unfortunate part is we kind of have to jolt ourselves out of that because that um, even I'm in a class right now where we're talking a lot about the inner critic and attachment styles and things like that. And we were just talking about how that inner critic, even, you know, that voice that comes up that tells you, you know, shameful things or bad things about yourself. It's like, if instead you can reframe that as thinking about 
that voice is trying to protect you. So talk to that voice and really ask it like, okay, but do I need protection from this? Like I, I, that voice comes from somewhere, right? From some previous experience, from something that's happened to you. So really being able to be okay with that voice now and understand if you still need it in that situation or whatever it is, right? And, and that's so easy to say now when I'm like, oh, I feel great. <laughs> But like when you're in that space, but that's why I love this conversation. And that's why I love talking with you about these things. And you're sharing this because there are so many people who are in those spaces and there are people who are going to pick up your book and who are going to need to hear it from you. Even if they have heard it from 10 other people in a different way, they need your voice. They need it said in the way that you said it, you know, they need to hear it explained to them the way that it worked out for you. And so I really applaud you for having that willingness to do that because, you know, it's hard work to do it for yourself, but then to be so vulnerable that you're going to just put it all out there for everyone else, regardless of what anyone has to say about it. You know, that's a whole different level too. <laughs> yes. Um, very scary, very, very unearthing. But, you know, I think, like you said, just having different perspectives and viewpoints is really important. I think that while I was trying to better my mental health and, you know, get myself out of those places, sometimes the people I would talk to, they had completely different experiences and I didn't take those things into account. And so people would be like, oh, well, you should try this because I did this and it really worked for me and it, it really saved my life. And then I would go and I would try said thing and it wouldn't give me the same results. And then I'd be like, you know, this is stupid. Like, I'm not trying anything else. This is just what it is. This is my new normal. And so I think that in really painting that picture and saying, hey, it's not going to be pretty the whole way through. It's not going to be, you know, a walk through the roses. It's going to be brutal and it's going to be, you know, the hardest thing you've gone through if you're in that place and trying to get out of sometimes. And it's okay. It's okay to fail. But I think that I was conflating failing and falling. Mm. And I feel like you only fail when you fall and you don't get up. And so as long as you're willing to get up after you've fallen, you can't fail. Yeah. And, and recognizing that and really be believing that for yourself now in a different way. Yes. And I think too, just, you're so right that those things, you know, you think, oh, I'll try that. Or that didn't work for me. Try that. That didn't work for me. And just the trying you're giving yourself a chance to heal. Right. So it's like, even trying to look at it that way, it's like, okay, I'm going to try that thing and it didn't work, but maybe it just didn't work for that. Maybe it's going to work for something else. You know, maybe there's another time where that will be a useful tool for you, or maybe that will be something you can tell somebody else, or maybe it won't ever work for you. And now, you know, that, you know, but just even kind of getting comfortable with trying some of those things and allowing yourself to, to feel different ways that, you know, okay, maybe this is something that will help me heal. And that's hard. Also, I think when you're in a healing space, because you do get so many suggestions from people and you do feel like, you know, in some ways, sometimes like people are just like trying to put their healing onto you. And if you just did it their way, then you would feel better. And so that's one of the things that's really hard for me when I talk to people, everybody wants to know, like they want a prescription, right. Or they want to be told how to do it. And I'm always like, (laughs) (laughs) like, here's some ideas, but because it, it is, it's so personal to really understand for you what what is going to make you feel better on any certain thing or what what is going to soothe you when you're in whatever state you're in and figuring those things out is so important. Yes, and I I think the most important thing to note for myself at least is that healing like learning you're you're never going to stop doing those things in life. So there's no sweet spot in healing. There's no, you know, I made it to day 60 and I'm fine. Like, it, you know, things are going to trigger you and they're going to take you back. And, you know, there's just always going to be that place in your mind that is reserved for the dark things and the dark memories. Um, but I think that realizing that, that I can have a moment of, of depression or anxiety tomorrow, but how am I going to navigate that? And understanding that even that is not a permanent feeling, you know? Mm. Um, and just understanding that 
if I'm going through something, I'm going to go through it. I'm going to get through it. And I know that that's easier said than done, but that's me being on the other side of, of doing the work and seeing it, seeing myself at being what I consider my lowest and knowing that, okay, I have this, this era and this mindset of my life to, you know, kind of reference. And so as long as we are not in the same habits and the same patterns as we were then, then we're doing okay. We're, you know, it may not be perfect, but it's better than what it has been. You have to be appreciative of that because peace is fleeting. Right. And that, you know, just really learning to be appreciative or understanding that it is a process and that it is a journey. I mean, that's a huge step in healing right there. Right. Because as you said, especially when you're in that place of pain, you do want it to go away. And so you just want it to be gone. And and if you, and if you think it's going to be gone, then the day that you wake up and you have a great day, you're like, yep, I did it. It's awesome. And then if something happens, it takes you right back there and you spiral, right? Because you thought that you were healed. So I I love the conversation and I love that we can talk about it in that way is that, yep, this is a recurring process and it's going to keep looking different for you. And you might not know when that thing is going to come up, what that thing is going to be, right? But just knowing then also hey, I've gotten through all of these other things. So like really being able to trust yourself to get through the next thing, right? And so like, I even had to start having talks with myself. It's like, okay, yeah, why am I thinking that I can't do that? Like, look at all these other things I've done. You know, really starting to call myself out a little bit, like you can be like, yeah, this is, you're distorted right now a little bit on this thinking. Let's like snap this back. And that was even kind of freeing because like you were saying about like feeling in control, it made me realize, oh, wait, those thoughts that are going through my head, like, no, I am in control of those things. So if I keep reminding myself of the new storyline, which is I am working on this and I am healing and I am doing better as opposed to like, oh, no, now I, you know, fell apart or I lashed out and focusing on the spiral and instead focusing on all of the things that I have done. Like that's so much more healthy, right? And it makes me feel better. And it also makes me recognize how far I've come. Yes, 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 yes. A million times to that. Um, I was going to add on to what you were saying about about my point about being in control. Um, I told myself, like after I kind of gotten over the bulk of what I needed to get through, I was like, you know, you're so resilient and strong. And I, I told myself that like, you know, you learned to be resilient and strong. But I think the truth of the matter is I've always been that strong. I've always been that resilient. And if I wasn't, you know, what I went through would have broken me and I wouldn't have been able to have rebuilt myself. And mm-hmm. so I think that I, I had to give myself credit for always being, you know, what, I, what I've proven to be and having those tools. It was just, I didn't know, yes. you know when to pull them out. I didn't know that I was going to need them. So they were the tools I kept you know, in the back, you know, Mm -hmm. they weren't the things that were my go-tos because I didn't, I didn't need them at the time, but I always had them. And so I think letting myself know that I've always been capable and able, but at the same time, I think that I had to tell myself that being strong is realizing that you don't always have to be strong. You don't always have to be that damn resilient. No one is. And it's okay to say that I'm not in this moment and I need help so that I can get back to being strong, resilient, and brave, and all those things. So, yeah, that was... That was so... Okay, you just helped me so much, too, in that, because I really like what you said in terms of I'm not resilient because I went through those things. What if I was always resilient? What if I was always that strong? Yes. What if I am not who I am because of those things that happened to me, but because I was already that person and I got through it because of who I am? I love that because I think that that gives some agency and some power back to it too, right? Because you were able to get through those things. And, and, you know, you and I have talked too about resiliency and, you know, that whole, that whole space where people think like just going through something makes you resilient. And it's like the resiliency comes from having worked through it and understood it and moved through it in a way that then you can go forward, right? Just going through something and standing up at the end of it saying, I'm resilient, then you're going to have to work on a whole bunch of other stuff, right? So I love that we can instead frame resiliency as, yes, this is something that is within me. And I had to understand how to move through it and how to work through it. And maybe I didn't know where all those tools were all at the time, 
but they came out when I needed to or needed them to. And now I can unpack and process and understand because I was always that strong. I love that. Yeah. So, okay. You've obviously moved through a lot of different things. So what, what are some of the things that helped you, you know, give us that list of things we can go try and then say, Oh, Zachary was wrong. That doesn't work. That's stupid. <laughs> um, you know, like we, like we said, these are, these are things that we have found that work for us. So I am not, I'm not confirming any of these. Yeah. This is not a, a con, yeah a prescription, everyone. This is yeah. not a, a list of anything that is guaranteed to work. These are things, suggestions that yeah. worked for Zachary. To your, to your starting point, um, it is really cliche, and some may say corny, but I really do try to see the the positive in everything. I think that that is like where I have to stop sometimes um, and just mm -hmm. say, okay things may be going to hell right now, but what is going good? Like, especially in regards to the situation, like I had a situation um, and I was planning my book release party and it fell apart in like 12 hours, essentially. And, um, you know, I had to let everyone know. I sent like emails out to everybody who was coming. I posted a statement on my Instagram. And I think everybody was like way more frustrated and sad about it than I was and everybody was like texting and calling and like are you okay da, da, da. and what's going on and I'm mm -hmm. like I'm, I'm really fine like you know my book is still coming out I still have to celebrate that I have to be in this moment and I can't you know let that bad energy follow me and how I'm feeling about a situation possibly like you know I'm doing things like this and I have to come and sell myself in my book and you know I have to be in good spirits so there's just really not space for that so I really do try to stop and say what is going good so I can appreciate that and then I don't have to focus on the negative mm -hmm. and in turn that has helped me remove myself in situations that may get me to be a version of myself that I don't want to be mm -hmm. uh, yeah. so I'm but then I also, I'm understanding that I can't do that in every situation. Right. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a more communicative person now, and I'm willing to have conversations and hear people out and things like that. Um, but I'm going to establish my boundaries. And I think that has been the most important thing. Mm -hmm. uh, I have a few family members who are older and their opinions have veered more in my opinion toward being homophobic mm. and, and you know homophobia my identity they don't align so, yeah <laughs> <laughs> so you know been a lot of hard conversations and I don't talk to a lot of my to a few of my family members because of it and I think everyone has been kind of staunchly in support of reconciliation and things like that and I'm like you know those things can't happen until everyone is on the same page and understands that it is what it is over here. And so setting those boundaries has been really important. Yeah. Um, I'm a people pleaser. I'm there for people more than I'm there for myself sometimes. Which is why those boundaries were so hard for you, you know, yeah. and you already said earlier too, you know, about conflict and that's really too, you know, boundaries are difficult and that you doing that is huge. That's a big one. <laughs> And especially when you're renegotiating boundaries mm -hmm. uh, with people who have probably benefited from the bad boundaries. And now right. they're fully cognizant of when you're telling them that things are going to shift and change, what that means for the dynamic and what it means for the input and output mm -hmm. of the relationship. And so it, it scares them and it shuts them down a little bit. Um, but yeah, no, I, I just have had to tell myself that I'm just as important to show up for. And how do you show up for people if you don't show up for yourself? And yeah. so those, those years I was like spiraling and things like that, no one knew a lot of the things because I mm. would together when my friends and my family needed me and they didn't see a lot of the, the disheveledness and the unraveling of me and my mental health. And that was so hypocritical. And I don't know why I allow people to feel so comfortable with me to come to me with their things and their issues. And I didn't reciprocate that back you know I didn't say hey okay we've got your things can I say that I'm feeling this yeah and I did myself a real disservice so um just well, I think myself. 
I think that's a pattern that so many people fall into, especially, you know, once you, you don't kind of tell people what's going on or you don't, you know, or you you are listening. So then that is a space that other people fall into. So then all of a sudden, before you know, it, people don't ask about you as much anymore because they're so used to just talking about themselves or, and, and you feel like then you almost can't get out of that space sometimes too, to be like, Hey, what about me? What about me? And and you've kind of also created this pattern then too, right? So then when you step back to be like, hey, no, that wasn't healthy. I'm going to like enter in again and show up as myself and really ask for what I need. It's hard. It's that negotiation is hard because people are like, they feel like you're changing the rules, right? And it's like, okay, yeah, I realized what I was doing before, but this is now better for me and healthy for me. And I was being unhealthy for myself, and like really being able to understand that. And as you said, you know, not everybody that doesn't go well with everybody, right? Because to a lot of people that sounds selfish because they're not seeing the ways that you were giving to them instead of giving to yourself first. And so then when you start giving to yourself first, it can feel selfish to other people. And you're like, no, I just literally have never done this. And so it can even feel selfish to yourself sometimes too, right? So it's like even really being able to, to accept taking care of yourself without feeling guilty about it, without feeling bad about it, and instead just really feeling empowered by it. You know, some of you who are listening might think, yeah, I do that every day. But for a lot of people, that's a very foreign concept, mm-hmm. you know, to really be able to, you know, have some of that, that confidence or that, that self-control or even that acknowledgement of, hey, this is who I am, or this is where I am, or this is a boundary I've set. So I really, I think that that's such great advice for a variety of reasons across contexts. And and once you start, like, I promise you won't be able to stop. Like now I'm like, what's wrong with being selfish? Like, it's kind of like people who reclaim the word bitch and like, you know, mm-hmm. gave it a positive connotation. I'm like, I am selfish. You know what? I am. And I'm going to be that, you know, yeah. you can put it on my birth certificate, you can put it on my tombstone. I was selfish. Yes. Because yes what's wrong with it like I know I I matter (laughs) that's how I feel about the word needy I'm like gonna reclaim the word needy it's like you know what yeah I am needy here are my needs like these are the things and someone's gonna give me the things that I need and you know what we live in we live in a world where we're like fostered to settle yeah like be okay with settling because Mm -hmm. everyone else was okay with it and that's fine if you're okay with settling I love that for you but Mm -hmm. I, I and yeah. so, you know I just want my needs to be respected just as your settling is going to be respected by me right well and understanding that your needs don't make you needy your needs are just different and so there are other people who are going to be able to then meet your needs too right and like also understanding it's like okay yeah maybe I want this other thing over here. I have this new thing that is, you know, going to be more representative of me. And that doesn't make me wrong or bad just because that's different from your need or what you have. And so really even being able to understand that and still be okay with what you're saying, like, no, this is what I need instead of making somebody else, you know, makes you feel bad about it or like you should change it. Just really being able to own that, like, no, this is the standard I'm setting for myself. And it's okay if that's not your standard, but this is where I am. This is what it looks like for me. Yes, for sure. I think that um, I it's, it's just so weird, all the things that I got from writing this book that I didn't think that I was going to get. Um, I've always been a very opinionated person, but I feel like I have a voice, you know, like yeah. I feel like my voice has direction and I, I have purpose in what I'm saying and um I just I don't know like I just feel so it's been real 180 you know and it's a beautiful thing to be here and you know there like I said there are a lot of things that are very gritty and going to be very hard to digest but I I hope that people don't get caught in one moment that they don't Mm -hmm. get caught in like one thing that shocked them and they're not able to see everything else Mm-hmm. as a whole mm-hmm. um because I think when you take a look at it you know all the way around yeah it it maybe it won't but I feel like it has, <laughs> it has to impact you in, in some capacity on some level of like I said emotion is universal so I think that I 
I've been able to relate to people's stories and I love hearing people's stories because I think they're important. And I think that too many of us leave the world without our stories being known. Yeah. Yes. It's so important to, to leave that legacy in that regard. Well, I am so excited. It's just been a privilege to get to know you in this different space too. You know, I've known you now for several years and I've seen you through a variety of different situations and seeing you step into this space. And I know you are going to continue to help so many people by sharing your story and through encouraging other people to really own those pieces of their story too. So please tell us, where can we find you? How can people buy your book? Where can we get in touch with you? Okay, I am on Instagram, exact change, E-X-Z-A-C-H-T-C-H-A-N-G-E, um, or How Much Time book, and then the book is going to be available on, it's on Amazon, it's available for pre-order on Barnes and Noble, it's on Apple Books, um, it'll be available a lot more places on the 12th of April. Yes, it's going to be everywhere. And I know you're going to have continued events and everything like that too. I'll link everything in the show notes if you want to look up Zachary. And please, please let me know if you've um, tagged me on Instagram too. Send us a picture of his book. Tag us all up. Yes. It's going to be so fun. And again, thank you for being here. I'm so appreciative of everything that you had to share with everyone. And I cannot wait to get that signed copy in my hands. And thank you for being so supportive. Like you've been such a mentor, a friend, such an inspiration and you know it's not very many of my professors that I've connected with in college and you know a lot of them were not available and you know I feel like we definitely got our money's worth <laughs> well good I am yeah. glad <laughs> those, those are the loan dollars I will repay <laughs> those yeah I only want to pay those I only yeah. want to pay those back the rest of them I want my money back yeah. <laughs> well it was you know we had such transformative spaces in our classes and I really I'm so grateful that we we got that space because it really did it allowed us to now have this lifelong friendship that we're going to get to continue to foster and nourish and so I'm forever grateful for that as well so thank you again for being here Zachary I'm so honored that you were able to share this space with me and I can't wait to talk to you again soon Thank you again. What a beautiful conversation today. I hope that you found different points that spoke to you and your healing journey. My takeaways from this episode with Zachary are, when you open up the door to writing about one experience in your life, you may unexpectedly find yourself opening a box of many experiences that can be both amazing and painful. For many of us, especially those of us that avoid confrontation, Writing your unfiltered thoughts and feelings can be incredibly cathartic. Real life isn't meant to be polished and perfect. So through writing, we can embrace our own truth and find peace in what was. In unpacking traumatic experiences, you may find that you have the opportunity to explain the situations from your perspective to others that were in the moment. In doing so, many times it is very eye-opening for others to understand how the event affected you. Everyone's healing journey is so personal and unique. What helps one person may not help the next person. Take any advice you get with gratitude, but also know that the road that you were traveling will have twists and turns and finding what works for you in each moment is the best. Resiliency is a beautiful thing that is within you. And in divine timing, that tool will be found in your back pocket to help you push through and rise above a situation. Thank you so much for listening today. Scroll below this episode to find links for Zachary's social media and find out where you can get his new book, How Much Time Do You Have?